guys, George Mesa, Third Eye Edify podcast here to bring you something that I've kind of been waiting to do for a while now. And after my appearances on Interverse podcast, after collaborating with uh, people in Australia, shout out to Elsie King, after uh, collaborating with some of the people on the Vibrant, uh, with Chance like Dissident, Chance himself, I've had some time to really think about where am I going with all of this music stuff as of late? Because I assure you, it's taken a long time to get to this point. It would be that way for anybody, of course. You learn about something, music in this case. You learn the theory. You actually do the thing. I've been gigging forever, more than half my life. And you, you come to certain realizations as you learn other parts of this world, other things frequencies, geometry, and the nature of polarity. The number 12, the number 7, the number 8. It all relates to music. When you dig into the trivium and the quadrivium, the original seven liberal arts, you start to see that everyone that learned this knew music, but they knew it at a much deeper level than you might think. They understood the mathematical principles behind it. They understood the geometry of it and how it related to geometry, astrology, everything. And that's essentially what this discussion is about. But based on the title, um, it's really about what happens at the center of something. In nature, we can observe centers very clearly, and I'm going to, of course, show us some of that. We can observe it in the sky. Is the sun the most important thing? Probably. But what about Polaris? What about the polarity of the pole star? Let's take a look. This here, I'm sure everyone has seen to some degree. Dead center would be Polaris here. And all of this is going to be very relatable to music. But I'm going to show you lots of non-musical things first. And I say non-musical lightly because it actually is a very musical thing that we're going to relate to here. So these are all of the stars in a time-lapse photo revolving around a center point, a place of rest. Picture the marching band marching around the guy in the center who doesn't actually create any motion other than potentially spinning in a circle himself in place. There's a point of rest there. He has no actual circular motion. So what does this resemble in nature? Let's have a look at this. The rings of a tree. Due to however this was photoshopped, or uh, however, whatever kind of filter was put on it, the coloring is actually fairly similar, just a coincidence, of course. 
but very, very, very similar concept. At the center is a point of rest, and the rings travel outward from it. We're going to be talking about concepts like dissonance, consonance, musically speaking. Think of the center here as a perfect non-active consonance, a point of rest, a flat line, if you will, where everything around it is dissonant and moving. There's an order to the fashion of the motion, but it is dissonant compared to the center. The center is where we can, in this scenario here, Eye of the Storm, you can actually see through it. If you were right underneath it, you would be at the point of rest where as I've seen in some movies, I've never been in the eye of the storm, but the eye passes and suddenly there's a moment of calm. You can actually see the sky above the very violent, hectic storm. And I'm sure we've seen this in relation to this, and maybe some of you haven't, but this is the golden ratio. You'll notice that the numbers are increased by the number preceding. Number one, one plus one is two, two plus one is three, three plus two is five, and so on. It creates a spiral. You'll see a sunflower behind it here. The spiral is a naturally occurring thing in nature. This looks like a conch shell, the design of the outline here. Clearly, the conch shell follows this. Clearly, the eye of the storm, everything. Spirals are everywhere. And they're confirmable. And you can see them for yourself in many shapes without a time-lapse photo, say, for the stars. Now, is the center a magnet? Is there rest when it comes to things that are attracted to each other by magnets? Perhaps there is some liminal space between the two magnets that can't touch if the polarities are wrong, if you ever try to force two magnets together on the wrong side. There's this space created. You almost cannot penetrate. Now, I bring this up for a moment because... There are a number of ways to see north and south, believe it or not. We've always been convinced that there is an axis of the earth where that's the pole. Perhaps we should start thinking about Polaris as the top of some kind of pole. Perhaps not a straight up visible one because I have a feeling we may have seen it. But perhaps it exists in a different way. Perhaps there are energies transferred in a different way. Perhaps the stars are circling around a pole, again called Polaris. There are other mythologies that talk about this, and we'll get there. Now, when this, magnet, when this compass points north, what is it being attracted to? What is actually pulling you north? What could it be? If you're in Australia, <laughs> if you're in Australia, do you think that the North Pole is something that a compass can detect based on the cosmology, based on the ball earth theory that we're given? I call it a theory. That's right. Does it make sense that in Australia you can receive a magnetic connection to your compass from the North Pole? Does North and South exist a different way in nature? Perhaps it does. This is a side view, a little cross-section on the left there. 
of a speaker magnet with a speaker cone. You'll notice north is in the center of this, while south appears to be all around it. North, in this case, is the point of rest, and south is the dissonant surrounding. Here is that magnet again, shown from the what's called the face view. North is the center, and south is surrounding. Once again, north is the point of rest in this situation. Now, if I'm going to be relating these things to music, if I'm going to be relating these things to cosmology, our realm, where we live, our existence, then we would need a face view of our own map. And all maps are flat, by the way. The globe has to be manipulated to work as, you know, the, the globe you see in classrooms and on every single kid's show I've ever watched. For Google Maps to work, same idea. Google Earth, let's say. The map is distorted. You'll find little crinks and places where they have to kind of fold almost to place a map on a ball. And they admit it. It's not nothing they're hiding. But it's worth thinking about. This is called the azimuthal equidistant map. You may or may not have seen this. And the controversy behind it, or the idea, and no one's saying that this is the correct uh, thing that we're looking at here. Trust me, I'm not standing behind something I can't prove. You're not even allowed to try to prove it. Go to the North Pole. You're not even allowed to get to the actual North Pole. You're not really allowed to go to Antarctica, except the little tiny spot that you can jump off of from you know, South America, or maybe from Australia somewhere. You can see a tiny little spot. But Antarctica is supposedly ridiculously huge as a continent. And um, here we see the snowy surrounding our south from the magnet uh, perspective as the ice of Antarctica. And it gets cold in the middle too. Now keep in mind, North Pole, South Pole, as they tell us as prescribed they're quite different I would say one is unlivable and one is apparently approachable maybe that's why Santa Claus lives there but uh, more to come on that by the end of December so this can be related to the same exact concept of the magnet that we see in nature this relates closer to the cosmos we saw in our first slide this relates more to the rings of a tree It looks more like the eye of the storm that we see in nature. Things coming out from the center, the point of rest, where everything around it swirls about. And in music, dissonance leads to consonance. It needs to. It's the reason music does what it does. Every note would not have the kinds of reactions that you have to music if, if there wasn't dissonance. You're often reacting to dissonance when you hear music sounding a certain way. And for things to resolve musically, because we often have resolution, we resolve musical problems, so to speak. We find ourselves at the point of rest to start. We call it like the first note, note number one. If we're in the key of C major, that would be C. C would be the point of rest. Do, as in do, re, mi. Do is one. It's the point of rest. Then we use every other note available. Those are all dissonant compared to number one, and they want to go back home 
They want to find their point of rest again. Dissonance looks to find consonance. Dissonance causes the music to need to go back eventually. And manipulating this dissonance is what the greatest composers have done over time. In any style. This is not excluding rock. This is not excluding metal. It's not excluding anything. In a lot of ancient art, we find cosmological rings. And of course, dead center, we see our place, Earth. There's lots of different displays of this through time. Many different ways to see it. Of course, the notion now is that they were dead wrong and too stupid to know what was right. But when you look up, I must say, it looks like the stars are moving to me. And I don't see it any other way. I can't. That perfect circle on the first slide would be very tough to achieve when you're orbiting and flying and spinning and running around the great attractor in the galaxy. I'm sorry, but I'm having a lot of trouble seeing it as being reality. Aristotle, of course, same idea here. This looks exactly like we first saw, but it's just a drawing. And at the time, I would not call it an assumption, but it's merely a way to get these ideas out. Now, what sits at the center of other cosmologies? Perhaps Norse. We've got the world tree. Yggdrasil. Same concept here. Now, what we see here might actually relate closer to music as what I'm going to show, because there's a straight line going down artistically from top to bottom. We'll notice the firmament. We're not going to really discuss any of that, but again, there is indeed this point of rest, a center point, and things happen around it. We can almost see the tree appearing to spin here, but perhaps... It is the axis, the axis mundi, as it's been called. And things spin around it, the point of rest. Yggdrasil kind of made me think of Dreidil, another thing that spins. A top or a um, teetotum, spinning top for gambling, uh, the good, good old-fashioned put-and-take game, as, as the dreidel often presents during those holidays and uh, also like a spinola from Latin America. It's a top. And when a top spins perfectly, that pole at the top there should appear to be motionless just for a few moments till it falls. Unless, of course, you're Jeffrey Allen Hoffman, who spun a dreidel for one hour in space. And this was made by the Israeli silversmith Gideon Hay. And this is all while he was repairing the ISS, December 2nd through 13th, 1993. I thought that was interesting to throw in there. Another thing that I really found uh, curious is that the four letters, these four Hebrew letters on the dreidel are uh, apparently going to translate to a great miracle happens there. And the miracle of Hanukkah, which um, was said in an Agada, which sort of looks like Yidrasil, just kind of a interesting coincidence there from the Talmud says that a jug of oil lasted eight days instead of one and the menorah has seven uh, flames on it. This could be seven reference to music perhaps. Seven being the amount of individual notes in a scale before we hit the octave. Eight, O-C-T, octave. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, that's seven. Another do starts it over at eight, the octave. The nature of music here. You've probably seen the world tree like this, I'm sure. 
a lot of activity around a calmer center. Perhaps you've seen pendants, very similar concept. Here you can kind of see intertwining in the tree, and that will come up in a moment. You may have heard it as Mount Meru, a center of the world where everything spins around it. Perhaps a magnetic center. Perhaps it's easier to imagine a compass working at the edges of Australia in the azimuthal equidistant map I showed earlier. It would make a lot more sense on that kind of landscape, I must say. The Warden Tree, often ash. This is actually an image created by an artist that was called the World Tree. And now we can sort of see more of a resemblance to this and perhaps see what this really is all about. The Christmas tree, the Xmas tree that we use. A pole in the center, a star at the top, which I used to think was the sun. Perhaps it's Polaris, Polaris. As the stars of the tree can spin around a center point, a center point of rest. Hopefully this makes even more sense now. It resembles the concept of a maypole. A center pole and the firmament, the blanket of stars being pulled by all the different people that, that go around the pole. There are far more complex versions available in different parts of the world. But much like that interlocking world tree pendant from earlier, you can see that they actually end up interlocking on the pole. This perhaps is going to give us the concept of harmony, musically speaking, believe it or not. The center pole is not present in this image, but often with the threshing floor, there would be a center pole. And as a result, the animals could actually just go around. They'd always stay the same distance away from the pole and just walk in a circle, circling the gnomon, as I pointed out in an earlier episode, was the part of the sundials that makes the shadow. Interesting that they're both called gnomons here. Any other images that potentially prove this cosmology I speak of, where the stars are moving and we're not, where things are moving around us, and we exist with the pole, the point of rest in our center? Do we know of any gods, goddesses, mythology that represents this in any way? Or perhaps misrepresented? When you think of Atlas, you probably think of this. Because that's the image we're usually given, that he's holding up the world. When this is actually a far more accurate representation of what he was supposed to be doing. You'll notice the zodiac signs in here. He's holding up the heavens. He's supposed to be holding up the heavens. I have pointed this out in past episodes. Now he's on the world, perhaps incorrectly as a ball, whatever. doesn't matter. And he looks to be a center point. His shadow on the ceiling above him shows a firmament that he's holding up. And here's a little bit of a better shot of that. Holding up the firmament. Holding up the stars. Not the other way around. He is the point of rest. And the 33rd vertebrae of your spine is the Atlas vertebrae holding up your world, your Golgotha, your skull. 
Now, that was a lot of information, obviously, but I kind of got through it as quick as possible to make sure that I get the points across in a, in a good time between each other. And uh, one very interesting thing I came across as I was studying this is the idea of Tuesday, the idea of a thing. The word thing is not the thing as we know it now, as in a thing, a pencil, a whatever, an object. But things were actually assemblies, Germanic assemblies, that would be held typically on the same day every week. Guess what day it was? And they would go to their warden tree. Maybe it was a big ash tree that they worshipped in order to represent them going to the world tree to do this. So, uh, Tiwas, Tyr, Tuesday, Thing Day. It's actually Thing Day. That's when they would assemble. The thing, they'd get together for the thing every Tuesday. So, interesting little side note there that I, I thought I would throw in, of course. Um, all of this... The point of everything I just showed you is that there's a center point with lots of things swirling and happening all around it. How is this relating to music? I began to spoke about it or speak about it earlier. I've spoken about it on a few shows recently that I've been on. I've discussed it in small detail in my previous episode number four, 440 Hertz, because I'm finding it to be the most important thing in music now. Now, is there a pole musically? Is there a direct correlation, a direct straight line? Is a straight line geometry? We discussed geometry earlier. We've seen some geometrical ideas now, but how many points are required? It's one of the reasons the number three is so important. When you have one point, you have a point. When you have two points, you get a line. Once you add the third point, now you have geometry. However, polarity being one of the most important things in life, just think male-female, and you'll get my idea. Here is a musical zodiac. Aries is sort of covered up there, sorry about that, at the top. But all 12 notes that exist in music. As far as what we're given, as far as what we know, as far as what we can really work out. The musical scale is present here, in all the notes starting from C that do not have sharps or flats. There's no flats showing. Not important. If you disregard the sharps, you get seven letters. C, D, E, F, G, A, B. The eighth, the octave, O, C, T, would be C starting over again. The pole in this diagram exists between C and F sharp. As far as this wheel goes, potentially other than the notes that are directly adjacent to C, which is a whole different discussion, C to F sharp is the most dissonant thing here. Dissonant being not sounding, the notion of dissonance is often something bad sounding. But based on what I discussed earlier, it'd be better for you to think of it as unstable or requiring more. It almost needs to do something. It has anticipation built into it. Dynamic, tension. Think tension. Think yin-yang. Think sun and moon. Push and pull. Dissonance, consonance. Tense, 
and then release at the point of rest. C is the point of rest here. And it can transfer back and forth between F sharp a ton of energy. When you do that, the F sharp needs to go to G and the C needs to go to B. This is the end result of this particular dissonance musically. And from there, we can resolve. The B can go to C. The G can stay because it's part of C's chord. Don't worry if you're not 100% sure about all that. The bottom line here is that we do get a pole in this diagram. It could be so many different things. But most importantly is that music does what all of these things I showed you do. Music does have this idea that there is a center point and all of the notes that are not that one note need to go back to the center as soon as you play them. This is disregarding chords. Chords meaning harmony, meaning more than one note existing simultaneously because that's what a chord is. If you picture either piano or a guitar, you pluck, let's say, all six strings at once, that's a harmony. Whether it's dissonant or nice sounding or bad sounding or not, doesn't matter. Any notes existing simultaneously is a harmony. Without harmony in this discussion, because that is a whole nother bag of worms, <laughs> bag of whatever you want to label it as, every note that isn't the center point needs to go back to the center point. And how you manipulate that idea of dissonance and tension, again, as I said before in this episode, is how composers manipulate the theory of music and get all the beautiful emotions and everything else that they get from it. And keep in mind that minor wasn't always a sad thing. It used to be for happy things. Major used to be for serious things. Even that has changed in our time with our understanding of music, especially between Oriental and Occidental, Eastern and Western. It's one of the reasons Russia might be one of the most fascinating places on earth. It touches both. There's Oriental Russia, there's Occidental Russia. And it almost touches Alaska. Incredible. So, my main goal with this episode, with this talk here, is that music does have a way of dancing around a center point, which is something we see in nature all the time. Now, I have a feeling we're going to be able to use this. Join me in this quest. There's more to it than we ever imagined. And people already knew this for ages. I'm not sure if I'm convinced that the timeline we're giving, we're given in history. They say a book's from this year. You don't know. You don't know. Because things are getting obscured left and right historically. They keep finding cities under cities. They keep figuring out that books that we thought were authored in certain times by certain people may have been anything but that. It doesn't mean you don't read the book. It doesn't mean you don't go researching. You have to re-search and find these things. So my quest for all of you here is that based on what I'm saying, 
based on how music operates, how frequency operates, and how we respond to frequency. Even a child may respond, a baby from birth may respond to a certain note. Ooh, ooh. There might just be a certain note that just soothes them. You never know what it's going to be. It could have been one they heard a million times while they were in the womb. It could just be something that's a natural reaction. A certain note can be a point of rest mentally for somebody. There's lots of YouTube videos of just one frequency for 10 minutes. It's supposed to either be calming or whatever it happens to be, stress relieving, pain relieving. There's plenty of ways that that can work, I'm sure. Without discussing harmony, without discussing combining notes. The quest is find one on your own. It doesn't, you don't have to be a musician. We're not saying get an instrument, learn how to play it, calm yourself down with it. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that you can find a certain note that resonates with you. We are centered. We have a pole of chakras going straight up. Picture that. We are our own axis mundi. And based on a book by Thomas Burgoyne, The Light of Egypt, which I highly suggest, it's been suggested by many others in the past, there is a whirling and swirling around our own selves as we behave as the center point. If music does it, there are definitely ways to find out how that can work for us. I'm positive of it. And I'm almost giving you an update to what I'm working on by, by discussing it in this fashion. But again, nature usually proves itself to be right when it comes to observing different things other than what you've seen. You see it in the stars. You see it in the storm, the eye of the storm. And it also relates in music in an invisible way. Yes, it can be mapped out. I could have shown you many different diagrams and slides that make sense there. There's a lot to it. And people did know these things. They taught you music for this purpose, to learn what it can be doing for you, not just as a composer or musician, but in your life. Frequencies can be used for almost anything. They can destroy things. You've probably all seen the image of that bridge that started to turn into a, a wavelength I'm sorry, not a wavelength, but a, a sine wave, sine and cosine. It turned into an actual frequency. Resonance is a very violent reaction. When you resonate with something, it really clicks. And it can turn stone into mush, I guess. It can turn concrete into something that actually wobbles. You wouldn't think that can happen, but it's a result of frequency. That's why that happened. Look into it. And, you know, I should actually bring up that picture one more time because, um, musically speaking, if C, again, being the center point, if we're in this key of C major, then the most important notes that bring the harmonies back home to C are created from F and from G, the fourth and the fifth. These are the three 
Trinity. This is the Trinity. These are the three pillars harmonically that work our way back to one in music. And look what happens. If we don't, if we take away the sharps, it's not symmetrical. It looks like it is, but B to C is one click away. C to D is two clicks away. It's already not symmetrical. But between C and F sharp, we have a direct center point. A center point that is directly next to the other two most important letters in this diagram, other than C, and that is F and G. So there's a direct, it's, it's there, it's a direct relationship. It's leading me down some interesting paths. And there's plenty more to come with this. I'm, I'm just getting started here. This can be related to so many different things. If you think of one, tell me, because I'm coming up with my own right now. More to follow soon enough. But keep that in mind. Harmonically speaking, with chords, the one and the four and the five, these are the pillars of musical theory. C, F, G. And then back to C and we start over again with chords. You've heard it a lot. And it's the way music works, in all honesty. Especially Western theory. F sharp is this bridge between F and G. And as a result, we get a pole between C and F sharp. A pole of extreme dissonant energy that needs to resolve and make our way back home to the point of rest. Music has this point of rest. The next time you listen, particularly to a classical piece, and if you don't, you might as well, because there's plenty of good ones and there's plenty of lame ones too. Just like anything else, listen for these points of rest. See if you can, without any theory, if you're, not, if you're a non-musician in that regard, see if you can sense what the composer is pushing and pulling with you. See if you can predict at the end of a phrase what that final note is going to be, that resolution point. More often than not, if you get to the very end of a symphony, that final hit, if you stop it, a lot of people can sing that last note. That's because the dissonance is guiding your inner ear to audiate the actual final destination note, that point of rest. The point of rest makes perfect sense to us, whether you're a musician or not. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to listen to any music as a non-musician. It wouldn't do anything for you. Music guides you, the listener, through a musical journey, through the notes, through the dissonant dance around that center point. That's what music really is. And that's why all music, as far as we know, was really just melodic for a very long time. The melody does all the work. Once you add harmonies, the melodies find themselves into different characters. Now, this is an important aspect of what happens in music now, but it was different. And we're not even discussing the ideas of rhythm and percussion here. There's probably a lot more to even get to here, but I think that we've covered what I wanted to get to with this one. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope that it got you thinking about things, whether it's music or life. Leave me some comments. Let me know what you think. 
Let me know if you have more ways than I just related to music. That idea of a calm place of rest, that point of rest in the center, that everything dances around dissonance, coming back to our consonants, coming back to our relaxed center point. You've heard somebody say, find your center before. I know you have. And it's a, it's a yogic concept. It's a, it's a concept throughout the world. It's just what meditation might be. You become that center point and everything dances around you chaotically in order to find its way back to you. You are your own world. You are the world. The world is you. And as we can see, that image of the stars look just like that tree. And so on and so on. Nature is trying to tell us everything we need to know. And the more we let the powers that should not be take us away from nature, the less any of this is going to make any sense to anybody. The less people that would be willing to even hear you discuss these things. It's important for us to empower ourselves with knowledge to gain, eventually, gain truth. As I often say, I'm not telling you I'm right. What I am telling you is that I'm working at it. And I really hope you all are too. And I hope life is good. Because it's definitely doing pretty great over here as it always is. On Third Eye Edify. Plenty more to come where that came from. On this topic and many more. And I hope to see you all next time. Thank you so much. <laughs>